Thanks for listening to the Downtown Community Church Podcast. My name is William and I'm the Executive Director here at DCC. DCC is located in downtown Tallahassee and our heart is to reach the city through loving God, making disciples, and being great neighbors. We recently launched a new building campaign called Building Opportunities. Over the years, we've seen God do some incredible things and we're excited about this next step we're taking as a church. To learn more about the building campaign and to see how you can be a part, visit downtowncommunitychurch.com. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you enjoy this week's sermon. We are excited that you are here and thankful that you are here. And My name is Kelly, and I am not Ben. I'm not the senior pastor here, so um, if you are first-timer here, I hope you'll come back when Ben is here and be blessed by his teaching and preaching and and uh, as Devin said in the announcements, they're going through a study of Nehemiah right now. And we're going to take a, a week off for that, and we're going to do something different today. But So if you're behind on your study, it gives you a chance to catch up. But also, if you're brand new to it, you can join in and, and get the study guide and help you because uh, uh, this book, his book, is, is something he wants us to learn. He wants us to glean from and, and get those truths that are there for us, for our own edification, for our own growth, for our own development, so that we might be more pleasing to him that we might live more the the uh, joy-filled life that he has for us but what i want to talk to us about today is knowledge knowledge is power and when you know something i mean one of my favorite quotes an old texas preacher did one time years ago he said a man with an argument is never going to beat a man with an experience if you've experienced something if you know something Somebody can talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and convince and do it. It's not going to move you when you know something. And my prayer, my hope, my goal, and I believe God's goal today is that all of us would be just that much further down the path of knowing Him, knowing His heart, knowing His desire, His pleasure in us. And so that's what we want to look at. And at the end of the service today, we are going to do communion, and I just think that's so appropriate and, and so needful for us because I don't know about you, but I know me, that when life is good, life is easy, life is everything is, is smelling like roses or whatever, that I have a tendency to put God on the side or to the back shelf like the nation of Israel all throughout the Old Testament. But I need to remember that a great sacrifice was made so that I could know him, so that I could experience the forgiveness of my sins, so that I could know the hope of heaven so that I could have his indwelling spirit in my life each and every minute of every day, so I could understand this book, all because he loved us and gave his son for us. So we're going to do that. But as we look at knowledge, I know many of you are either have been, or maybe some of you are now, have gone to college or sought even higher education, and we all want to learn, or maybe it's just a trade or, or a skill or just something we're trying, maybe it's about parenting, whatever it might be, relationships. We're trying to get that knowledge. But there is a knowledge that supersedes all that, and that's knowledge of God and knowledge of who we are in light of Him. And that's kind of what we want to look at today. And where does that come from? And what does it mean? And how does it accomplish or work itself out in our life? And I'd also say that if on a Sunday morning at 11 o'clock you've come out in the heat and think the Lord we're not in the parking lot anymore, I remember those, those days too. Those were tough. But uh, there's a lot of other things you could be doing. But you're here today, and even if you don't know it, God's Spirit's working in your life because He's even trying to get you to understand that you want His favor. You want His blessing. You want the best that He has for you. Well, how do you find it? 
You find it by seeking him. You find it in the things that he has provided, he continues to provide, that he's already given to us. And that's what we're going to look at today. And I'll sum it all up to say this. I'll give you the, 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 the point of the text or the point of the teaching all in this. That God has already given his perfect example of his son, Jesus Christ. He already has given his perfect word, the scriptures. And he has already given his perfect Holy Spirit to live within us, to guide us, to direct us, to teach us, to correct us. He's already given all that pertains to life and godliness. But the question is what have we done with it? Have we taken it in? Have we received it? And are we applying it to our life? Or are we doing like we have a tendency to do sometimes? No, thanks, God, I got this. I don't need you. Don't tell me what to do here. I want to do this. And we ignore it to our own detriment and consequences. And then we're going we're gonna to kind of get a roundabout way to get there. We're going to lay a foundation or give us a backdrop, if you will, in which to look at some truths in the Bible. In First John, uh, in the book of First John, near the end of the Bible, it's where we, one of the places we're going to be, that, but we're also going to be in First Corinthians 11. But before we do that, I, I want to lay this foundation or put this backdrop so we can see and understand again God's character, God's nature, God's heart. You know, it all begins in, in the Proverbs. It says the beginning of wisdom or the beginning of knowledge is fear of the Lord, and understanding who God is. And that he is good never changes. That he is the essence of good. He cannot be anything but good. He is love, never changes. And he has his best for you, never changes, despite what we may do. And when we believe anything else, it's a lie of the enemy and something to keep us from finding that truth. So how do we go there? Well, we're going to look in, in 1 John in a minute, we're going to look at these sayings that says, that you may. There's five times where the Bible says that you may have something or attain something or understand something. And then there's some other places where it says, by these things we know, these things that are written, we can know certain things. Then again, it'll be a bedrock or be a, be a foundation or be a, a point in our life where we can say, I know this. I don't care what else is going on. I don't care about the, 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 the misunderstandings and the things that may take place. Again, it's just like Devin prayed. and We prayed for Orlando and what's going on down there that despite these things and the evil that takes place in this world sometimes, God is still here. He is still good. He still wants to change lives, just like we saw in the video testimony here. But before we do that, I want to read the verses, some verses concerning communion. Because there's a, a statement in here that I think is critical and kind of the, the um, genesis of our thought this morning about knowledge. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it says this, for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant of my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. The significance, the importance, is that reminder that God loves you, loves me, loves us so much that he gave his one and only son, sinless, spotless, perfect, holy, left all the glory and majesty of heaven to come and live among us and be like us and be tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin and died in excruciating and painful and humiliating death on the cross for your sins 
and for my sins and for all sin, but then was raised again the third day. And he's coming again. That's the essence of the knowledge of what we must understand. The gospel of Jesus Christ. The love of God that transcends anything and everything else that may happen to us in life, in this life and in eternity. The gospel transcends it all. We must understand that. But moving past the, the Lord's Supper and the verses that, that follow it, it says this. We need to, to always take the whole counsel of the word in, into effect. It says, therefore, whoever eats, and eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, what's he talking about? Will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat, bread, eat of bread and drink of the cup. That's our, our question today. An examination of ourselves. Do we know? Do we know Him? Do we know who we are in Him? Do we know with certainty, with assurance of His Word, by His Spirit, and by the example of Jesus, what life is about, and where we are, and where we're going, and how we get there? That's what we want to look at. Now, I've mentioned that to say this too about the backdrop and all, and I'm going to read these rather quickly. You may want to jot them down and look at them later, but I just think they're they're foundational. You know, I know some people have books or series or, or, or little bookmarks or whatever about the hundred verses that every Christian ought to know. Well, these are some of those verses. It's just that we have to understand some things about God and who He is because I promise you, we have good days, right? But what else do we have? Bad days. We do good things. But what else do we do? Bad things. We have good thoughts, but we can have some wicked thoughts. And transcending all of that or, or overlaying all that is the consistency and the constancy of God's perfect plan and will for our life and his love and goodness for us. So a couple that I want to mention briefly. In Psalm chapter 40, verse 5, it says, Many, O Lord, are, are your wonderful works which you have done, and your thoughts toward us cannot be recounted to you in order. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. God's thoughts towards you are more than can be numbered. Do you know that? Do you understand the significance of that? That God is, always has you on his mind. And he's always wanting to bless you and move you further in a path towards him, transforming you and conforming him to the image of Christ and being more like him. Then in verse 17, it says, But I am poor and needy, yet the Lord thinks upon me. Yeah, we're poor. Yeah, we're needy. Yes, we're sinful. Yes, we're undone. Yes, we're incomplete. But he thinks of us. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, oh my God. So there's, there's, there's in Psalm chapter 40. And then the Proverbs. And I mention this often. There's 31 Proverbs. And there's usually 30, 31 days in a, in a calendar month. If you'll read a proverb a day, every day for that corresponding day, the wisdom that that will impart into your life, it's practical, it's relevant, it's real. It will help in everyday walk of life, and I encourage you to do that. But it begins in, in, the, in Proverbs chapter 1. It says, to know wisdom, to know understanding, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice. We hear that word so often now. Who defines justice? Who knows what justice really is? God does, and it's in his word. Judgment, equity, to give prudence to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase learning. A man of understanding will attain wise counsel. 
to understand a proverb and an enigma, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And there's the warning. There's the contrast. Although God's made all of us available, although he wants us to know him, he wants us to know his wisdom, he wants us to know his goodness and have his favor and his blessing, we can refuse it. We can reject it. And he says we're being foolish and we'll suffer the consequences. So there's Proverbs. And again, all throughout the Proverbs, there's this contrast between right and wrong, good and evil, truth or error. How do you know? Because our standards and our situational ethics and the things of this life, they seem to change all the time. There are some absolutes. And some absolutes are God, his word, his faithfulness, his goodness, his love. Moving on in Jeremiah chapter, now I have just a few of these. We'll go quickly, and then we'll get to our, our main text. In Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23, it says, Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, let not the mighty man glory in his might, nor the rich man glory in his riches, but let him who glories glories in this, that he understands and knows me, that we understand and know him that's your only glory but that is glory that is a glorious life when we know and understand he's who he is goes on to say that i am the lord and i'm exercising loving kindness judgment and righteousness in the earth for in these i delight the lord delights to show you loving kindness the lord delights to bring you righteousness the lord delights to bring proper justice and judgment into this world. And then a few pages over in Jeremiah still, Jeremiah 29, 11, I know a familiar verse for many people. It says, for I know the thoughts that I think, and again, this is the Lord speaking, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found of you, says the Lord. He wants to give us peace. He wants to give us hope. He wants to give us encouragement. Not in the circumstances of life. There'll still be evil. There'll still be failure. There'll still be death. There'll still be disease. There'll still be so many things. I'm dealing with that, that right now with my parents that are 80 years old, and we're in those last stages of life. Those are realities of life. But even in that, we can know God's peace, God's comfort, God's future, because he's revealed it to us. Then we move over to the New Testament. In Romans chapter 8, it says this, Romans chapter 8, verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Again, when the life stinks, when life hurts, when life is disappointing, when we are disappointed, when we fail, God is still for you. Don't ever let the enemy let you believe or even think to believe anything other than God is for you. He always is for you. It says, He is who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? If he's given us his best, he's given us his son, his perfect son, everything else is gravy. It's extra. It's, it's a freebie that's thrown in because he's given everything when he gave his son. And he has given that. So we can know that this is true and we can experience it to the full. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, it says that we can be confident of this. It says, being confident of this very thing, that he, has the, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it unto the day of Jesus Christ. In other words, will we stumble? Will we fall? Will we take two steps forward and three steps back sometimes? Absolutely. 
But hold on, because God is not giving up. Don't you give up. God will not let go. Don't you let go. Let the process work. Let him bring you through the trials, through the ten tribulation. He speaks often about in this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome, therefore you can overcome. That's the message he wants to give us. And then in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6, 17, it says, Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. You see the theme here? It's God that gives. It's God that desires to give all things richly so that we can enjoy, so that we can enjoy Him, so that we can enjoy the life that He's given us, so that we can enjoy the future that He's given us, the hope. You know, even in all the terrible things that are going on in our world, this church, you're celebrating the birth of one of your, your, your owner's baby last night. Life, the good goes on too. There's another soul for eternity. Good things. And God, despite how shaken the world and the foundations may be, he's steady. He's an anchor that holds. And we need to trust and know and rely upon that. And then lastly, before we get into our, our main text, in 2 Peter, a couple of verses here that I want to do just as our foundation. Listen to what he offers to us again. Grace, in, in chapter 1, verse 2 and 3 of 2 Peter, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. How many is all? Everything. Everything that you need to know for life, everything that you know to live a godly life, he is given, he is provided in his son, in his word, and by his Holy Spirit. If we follow these things, if we look these things, they will work in our life. Second, moving over to chapter 3, verse 9, it says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Again, how many is all? All. John 3, 16 says that whosoever will, let him come. So the whosoever's and the anybody's, because he's not willing that anybody perish, but he wants everybody to know him, to know his forgiveness, to know his salvation, to know his hope, to know his heaven. God is more brokenhearted than we are about the terrible things and the tragedies that take place in our life because he's sitting there saying it didn't have to be like this. You know me. It'll change your heart. It'll change your behavior. It'll change your attitude. It'll change your outlook. So we know these things. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, the last one, it says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Knowing and then growing that knowledge. It is something to experience. I've been walking this path for a little while now. And it really is true. The, more you, the older you get, the more you know that you don't know. But at the same time, I can also look back in my rearview mirror and say, God was faithful. God was faithful. God was faithful. God provided. God made a way when there was no way. God made a way in the wilderness when I saw no way out. God restored my faith. God lifted my head. He, he brought breath back into my life. He's faithful, and he does these things. Now, specifically, I want to look in 1 John. If you'll open your Bibles there to 1 John. We're going to start in chapter 1. And the first thing we want, I, I mentioned earlier that we're going to look at some things that you may know or that you may experience, some possibilities that he has for us. In other words, he's saying, these, these things are here, but they're conditional. You've got to do it my way. I'm God, you're not, but I've made it available. Here's how they are. We're going to look at those, and then we're going to look at a few things that the Scripture says, by this we know. It says, by this we know, and then such and such, that we can know some things in this life Again, despite all that may be going on around us, 
we can say, the anchor holds. My God is faithful. He is good. He loves me. I love him. We're going to get through this. Not, not me, not us, us with him. He's the eternal one that sees us through. And before we do, let's mention this too. John, who wrote the, 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 the epistles of John? John the Apostle, same one that wrote the Gospel of John, the same one that wrote Revelation when he was, had been banned to the Isle of Patmos and sat out there. He's the only apostle of the 12 apostles. He's the only one that died of old age. Now, they tried to kill him like they tried to kill the other apostles who were hung upside down and beheaded and crucified and so many other things. But, but John, they threw in a, in, a, in a vat of a, a boiling oil, but it didn't kill him. And then they put him out on this island, just to, and it was banished. And God preserved him. Again, why? To one, to show that God, God's the only one that decides when life ends. And God can see us through anything. But more importantly, he left him there so that he could write, so he could reveal and speak about God's faithfulness. And John, in his last years, they said they took him around before he went, was banned completely. They took him around when he was still an old man. They took him to churches, and they just wait. Oh, let's wait to hear from the old wise one. And he'd stand up, and he'd say, love one another. And he'd sit down. And that's what he had to say. And he was the, the, the apostle that Jesus loved. He was so overwhelmed by the knowledge that God loved him. He knew the temperament that he had. He was a son of thunder. He had the temper. He had the expression. He wanted to sometimes take matters into his own hands, own hands but he learned to trust God. And in that, God drew, drew his faith, grew his faith so that he might teach us. So a lot of wisdom here. But let's look in verse 1. It says, That which was from the beginning, God, the only one that was there at the beginning, he even succeeds or precedes that. He's the eternal one, the Alpha and Omega. That which was from the beginning, so he's talking about God, that which we have heard, we have seen with our eyes that we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. John's telling you, look, listen to me. I was there. I was there when God manifested his love to us and the word, the word, the book became life and dwelt among us, talking about Jesus. He said, I was there. I saw this. Again, I have this experience. I have this knowledge that you cannot shake from me. You cannot take away from me. That's who John is. So we can listen to him and understand this. He says, the life was manifested. We saw it. We bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father, was now manifested to us in the flesh. It says, that which we have seen and heard, we declare unto you that you also may. That you may. Here's the first one. That you may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. So the first possibility is that we can know God, that we can know His Son, that we can know forgiveness, that we can know love, that we can know grace, amazing grace, that we can know mercy, that we can know power, all the attributes of God, all the things that He so richly wants to give us to enjoy life and to, and to bring glory to His name by allowing these things to work in our life and to change us. We can know those. Not about them. We can experience it. We can just not know about Jesus. We can experience a relationship, a living, breathing, walking, talking relationship with Jesus Christ through the things that he's written here and the things that we see all throughout Scripture. So that's the first one. Then the second one is in the very next verse, verse 4. It says, In these things we write to you that your joy may be full. In other words, now, number one, that we can, that we can know him. Number two, that we can be joyful. He's saying that you may be, that your joy may be full. That's why I've written these things. That's why God brought through me all the things that I went through in life and let me see and experience and understand these things. And then his Holy Spirit spoke to my life and told me what to write in a book so that we could have it centuries later, so that we could know 
and we could grow and we could understand and we could be strengthened and encouraged by it. So that's two. Number three, if you look in chapter two, still in 1 John chapter two, it says, my little children, these things I write unto you so that you may not sin. Wow. So that we may be sinless. Not that we'll be without sin. Nobody is perfect. There was a perfect one and we crucified him. None of us are him. And none of us are going to be him until we get to be in front of him in heaven. Then we'll be changed in a moment. But right now, we're in a process. It's what's called sanctification, redemption. We're, we're becoming more and more like him, but we take a few steps forward, we take a few steps back. The thing is, do you know that he's working in your life? Let him work. Let him bring you to places that you can't get on your own. That's why we need a Savior. You can't purify your heart. You can't cleanse your mind. You can't undo the things you've done. But God can forgive and forget. And he can give us a new heart and a new mind and a new life. But we need to let him do this. And let him help us not sin. Because what is sin? Sin is nothing more than a barrier between us and him. And Isaiah talks about that, that my ear's not deaf that I can't hear you or my hand's not short that I can't reach you, but your sins have separated me from you. God says, he's perfect, he's holy, he's righteous, he's everything. And when we sin, we're putting distance between us and him. Get rid of it. Don't allow it in there. And that's what he's trying to tell us is a possibility. So n- number four then, in, in uh, chapter 2, verse 26, it says, These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you, but the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true, and is not a lie, and just as it is taught you, you will abide in him. What he's saying here is that you may not be deceived, or that you may know truth. That's the possibility. That's the reality. But why? Again, because God's given us his word, He's given us the example in Jesus, and he's given us his spirit. His spirit and his word are discerner of right and wrong, truth and evil, good or, good or bad, truth or error. That's who he is, and that's what he offers. And he tells us these things, that we can know this so that we don't have to be deceived. There's so many things pulling at us and telling us and with, with marketing the way it is now and technology the way it is now and instant gratification on so many things that you're constantly being bothered with this is the answer, this is the key, this is the hope this will change your life much of that, there's only one way truth, life, and his name is Jesus Christ he is the way he is the truth, he is the life anything else falls short I promise, it falls short and then lastly, chapter 5 verse 15 of the possibilities but an important one in chapter 5 verse 13 it says these things I write unto you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know. There we go. That you may know. Doesn't mean that you will know, but you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Certainty. Assurance. An old hymn that we used to sing talked about blessed assurance. Just knowing that you know, that you know, that you know that yeah I was this and yeah I did that and yeah I failed here and yes God is there and I'm so far apart but because of his love transcending all that and him coming to me I know I'm his I know he loves me I know he's with me I know heaven is mine as if I'd been there 10,000 years a beautiful beautiful life changing anchor of your soul to have and embrace know it 
You can. We should. And not only that, it then says that you may continue to believe because it is so easy. Again, it's our nature. We get tired. You know, my life right now, I can tell you, it's going a thousand different directions and different things sometimes, and they don't complement. Some of them are absolutely polar opposites. I, 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 I don't know. But what I know is, is my God knows. And I know he loves me. I know he loves those that I love and that I'm trying to help. I know he's got a call on my life. I know he's got things he wants me to do, and he's going to work out the details. I can trust him for that because he's proven it over and over and over again. That's what he's telling us that we can know. In the last couple of minutes before we close, I just want to mention this too. If you go back to chapter 2, I said that there's talks about the times in the scriptures where it says that you may know these things. But also notice that, that there's another phrase that's in here often. And when something's in the Bible often, it's called a clue. You need to pay attention. And, and you know, when you're reading, you just kind of say, well, I just read that. I just, well, it's the phrase, by this we know. And again, John's sitting there saying, look, by this evidence, by this example, by this writing, by this instruction, by this truth, you can know certain, certain things. And in verse 2, I mean, I'm sorry, in, in chapter 2, it, it talks about them. Again, he sits there and, and says in verse 3, it says, Now by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Has your life changed to the point where you at least have a desire to know God and know his commandments? Do you not want to do the things maybe you used to want to do and now you want to do what he wants you to? That's knowledge. That's something that gets, that's evidence that you belong to him, that you are right with him because he's changing your heart. He's changing your desires. It's like another old preacher I used to listen to you say. He says, it's not that I don't sin anymore. I just, I don't sin as much as much because I don't want to anymore. We still sin. We still have that nature that's within us, but we don't want to anymore because God it's cleansing us. He's purifying us. He's doing a work in us through his word, by his spirit. Let him do it. It's a beautiful thing. And then he gives us that assurance that he's doing it. Then in verse 5, it says, it says, But whosoever keeps his word, truly the love of a God is perfected in him by this that we know that we are in him. The love of God is perfected? Now, a lot of you may have some real strong egos and strong confidence and all, but, but the love of God is perfected in your life? what it says. In Matthew, it tells us to be ye perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Absolutely unattainable, unreachable, out of sight for us, outside and unless, but because of the love of God, it is possible. He tells us that's your goal, that's your mark. You've got to have a focal point, you've got to have a goal, you got to, and be focused on that, and don't let anything else knock you off that. That's rule one. Go there. Pursue that. Pursue him, and let him do that work. In chapter 3, verse 16, it says this, it says, for, for all that is in the... I'm, chapter 3, yeah. Chapter 3, verse 16. I'm sorry. It says, by this we know love. You want to know love? Man, how many definitions does the world offer us in love today? In the relationship circles, in the dating circles. Oh, my goodness. But there's really only one definition of love. And that's a giving of yourself for the betterment of someone else. Like Jesus Christ gave of himself for your betterment and my betterment. That's love. Despite who we were, despite the sinners that we were, despite our unworthiness, God loved us. And he commands us to love one another. And when we know that and we perceive that and we find ourselves loving people that maybe at one time we didn't care about, that's, God, that's evidence. That's a way that you can know that God's working in your life. Embrace it and let him continue to do that work. And then in verse 19, chapter 3, verse 19, 
And by this we know that we are of the truth and shall, our, and shall assure our hearts before him. Before that in 18 it says, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. In other words, again, if your attitude, your behavior, your actions are changing, or at least there's a desire to, that's God. He's working. Let him work. Embrace it. Pursue it. Let him do what he wants to do in your life. Verse, verse 24, it says, Now he who keeps his commandments abides in him, and he in him. And by this we know that he abides, abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. Again, do you have that consciousness, that, that presence, that awareness of God? Is there something about you now where maybe it's a place you used to go or something you used to do, but now you go to do it or you, you go to think about it and there's just something that's like, I, I feel wrong, I feel dirty. I, that's God. Let him do it. He's protecting you and keeping you from harming yourself and having some of those consequences should you go down that path. Just like there's other times that he's sitting there and you just go, I don't know why, but I feel like I need to go check on my neighbor or I need to go tell somebody I love them or I need to go take somebody to dinner or something. Do it. That's God telling you. Get out of your comfort zone. Get, think about somebody other than yourself and let me bless you and put my favor on your life. The last two, chapter 4, verse 12 through 14. It says, No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he, is, and he in us because he has given us his spirit. The Holy Spirit is referred to as a seal. In other words, it is evident. It's, it's like you take something and it, it's sealed. It's done. That's part of our knowledge and our understanding that we belong to him is that the Holy Spirit seals that and changes our behavior. And then in chapter 5, verses 1 through 4, it says, Whoever believes that Jesus is the, Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves him, who begot him, also loves him who is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. And as we prepare for communion now, and I'll ask the worship team and, the, and our ushers and elders to come forward, that's the question. That's the examination. Do you, and this isn't between me and you, this isn't between you and your neighbor, you and your, your friend, anything. This is between you and God. But God has revealed himself. He has revealed his plan. He has revealed his purpose. He has revealed your future either in him, in heaven, or apart from him, in a place called hell. It's revealed. We can have knowledge. We can have understanding. We can embrace it, and we can let it change us for the good. We let him take us from being self-centered and self-minded and greedy and lustful and all these kind of things and being, being people that love and care and are concerned about others. And people that say, God, what do you want? It's the first question we ask every day instead of, well, I want to do this today. I want to do that today. It changes everything, folks. When you're chasing that I, 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 I promise you, it's empty. The book of Proverbs and Solomon talks about that. It's just empty. Ecclesiastes, vanity of vanities it talks about. But as we take communion today, 
I want us to think about that. And as, as they come forward, what you'll do and after, after a prayer and as the worship team prays, you're just going, we're going to stand and you'll come forward and you just take off a piece of bread and then you dip it into the, into the juice and then go back to your seat and just, do you know? Scripture says that if we'll confess with our mouth and believe in our heart the Lord Jesus, we will be saved. Again, he's whosoever will, let him come. He's not willing to any perish, but all come to repentance. You want this. He wants you. He will bless you. He will give his best to you. You can know this. You can rely on the faithfulness of God. The example of Jesus Christ, the testament of the Holy Scriptures, the presence of the Holy Spirit, may that work in your life today.